1: Coming up on today's show, Alberta doctors have asked the premier and the health minister to visit the ICU. Why? What do they want them to see? And Alberta has really fallen out of love with Jason Kenney. His approval ratings are getting near historic lows. We'll have a chat about that. And pretty exciting for film buffs and TV buffs in the province of Alberta. HBO is in Alberta shooting a massive series, The Last of Us. We'll get an update on what's going on. All right. You probably heard the discussion. Uh, if you were watching the premier's press conference on, uh, what was it, Tuesday? Yeah, I guess it was Tuesday. Uh, you definitely heard it where he was asked about um, how he felt about being invited to tour some ICUs in our province. Get a first hand look at what's going on inside Alberta hospitals and how that might benefit him. And he said, uh, yeah, he's, he's, he's open to that. He's open to doing that, but he doesn't want to turn things into a photo op. Well, he doesn't have to. He doesn't have to tell anybody he's going, and if he doesn't want media there, the media won't be there, and, and he can do his tour, so it doesn't have to be a photo op. But um, uh, one of the people behind this invitation is Dr. Paul Parks, who is um, the head of emergency medicine for the Alberta Medical Association. He joins us now. Uh, Dr. Parks, nice to chat again. How are you? Good, good. Doing well. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks so much for joining us. Okay, so why did you guys decide to offer this invitation? What was the thinking in terms of, uh, let's see if we can't get the Premier and the Health Minister into a hospital ICU?
0: Well, I think the most obvious thing for us was the ongoing disconnect between, you know, the policy and what was happening outside the hospital world uh, and what we were seeing on the front lines uh, every day in our in our hospitals. So in our emerge in our wards and on our, in our ICUs and um, you know there was a it was some cognitive dissonance there for all these like my nurse colleagues, everyone working so hard and seeing how how uh kind of suboptimal and disastrous our care had become uh it, you know we realized that maybe maybe the minister of health and the premier don't actually uh understand exactly what what kind of heroic effort efforts and and what kind of suboptimal kind of care we have to we've had to do in order to make this surge capacity so of course seeing is believing and Uh, we strongly believe that if if they could see what was happening in the hospitals, uh, they might have a better understanding when they're making their policy.
1: Yeah, and I think sort of, it's not just the Premier and the Health Minister. I think for a lot of us in the public, we hear hear them stand up and say, our ICUs are at 84% capacity or 85%, whatever the case may be today. And we kind of think, oh, okay, well, we've still got 15% capacity, so we've got a little bit of room to move here. Um, But without knowing how we got there and the extraordinary measures, is that the disconnect that you're talking about? Oh, yeah,
0: 100%. In fact, one of the things we had to say to AHS Leeds is stop – Stop, uh, you know, reporting the percentage as a, as a base of what our, our our surge capacity is. To be truthful with you right now, we're at 180% ICU. So what that means and what what's very hard for Albertans to understand is we have, we have patients that now are in, like, basen, basements of our hospital that are ICU patients that have been basically jammed into a corner because that's the only space we have. And, and we have, uh, you know, MacGyvered jury-rigged kind of baby monitors so the nurses can keep an eye on them because we don't have appropriate ICU-type monitoring, as examples. So, like, we're talking about we're doing the absolute best we can, but there's no way that it is even close to what our normal ICU care is, and, and, you know, even just having the premier and having people come in and see that we have in rooms that are designed for one ICU patient, we have two ICU patients, and the nurses are taking care of four or five at a time instead of one at a time. Like, it, the, the efforts have been extraordinary, and we're doing our best, but it, it's wearing everybody out, and, and it's not the kind of care that I think Albertans think they're going to get
1: when mm. they when they come into the hospitals. Speaking of that disconnect, uh, beyond the premier and the health minister who who may well benefit from a tour of the ICU, what about, like, the a AHS officials like Dr. Yu who stands up and and gives us the numbers or Dr. Hinshaw the people that are reporting the numbers that you're saying you know what they don't paint an accurate picture are you seeing some of the people in charge um actually down there getting a first hand look at what's going on
0: uh yeah yeah I think the people within our AHS leadership are seeing and P- and looking in our operational leads and so to, in discussing with them too um we you know we're kind of discussing so i'll tell you very very frankly there's a balance between what we put out there in terms of we do not want to scare sick people away from coming to my emerge department for example but on the other side they need to understand and so you know a good example is we had a dialogue about, you know, starting to report how many scheduled surgeries are canceled. Like, you know, people might think it's, you know, hundreds or a couple here or there every day. Like the fact that we're approaching 10,000 canceled scheduled surgeries, uh, that affects non-COVID people too. So you know, that it's really important that, that Albertans understand that we're doing our best and we're still we're still caring for Albertans, but our system is so compromised in the healthcare system now that if it continues to get worse it, it could collapse and it could mean that we, we can't we can't save the
1: life of that next sick person that comes in and, and none of us want to get there. Um- I'm just taking a look at the way the numbers have been reported and rolled out over the last week or so, it seems. And I don't want to get ahead of ourselves here. I'm just wondering how you feel about it. It looks like our cases are dropping. Our positivity is dropping. There's a little bit of an easing on the health care system. Do you think we're getting to a point where things are starting to bend in the other direction now?
0: Well, so we're hopeful and we all want it to yeah. be that way. So, the, you know, the proof will be how we weather the next kind of week, how we weather Thanksgiving with huge... Uh, you know, family gatherings and groups uh, gathering, uh, but also the one thing that um, does worry a lot of us now is, and we have to be really aware of this, is that once the weather turns on us, uh, as we know Alberta will, and it gets cold and people mm-hmm. spend more time inside, those respiratory viruses, uh, the normal pattern when they're not crazy, insane, infectious as COVID is, it, it they spread easier in the winter when people are indoors and. And so there's a real worry that we're going to get, we haven't seen that kind of seasonal bump on top of things. So yeah. we, all, we want it to get better. On, honestly, we all want, we hope that you know, the measures and the things that people are out there doing are helping.
1: Um, but we're just worried that it may be too little. Yeah. So don't get ahead of ourselves. I mean, we're seeing some positive indicators, but it's really early and we've got a long way to go yet. So absolutely.
0: And just another reminder, is: once that wave peaked there, we still probably have two, three weeks yep. of catch-up where, where more and more sick come, right? So,
1: Well, that's the thing. Um, Even as we're seeing cases uh, start to taper off slightly now, we're seeing deaths go up dramatically, you know, with 26 so, being reported yesterday and the day before that.
0: Yeah, you know, and that's the saddest thing that I'll say why. Why are we being so vocal and advocating about this? I'll tell people that, right, everybody out there should understand. One of the only reasons we haven't been pushed over the cliff is because so many are dying. Like, we're talking, you know, a Humboldt bus crash every single day are dying of COVID now. This is going to affect everybody. it's, it's It's an, you know... It's unfathomable how many how lives in Alberta are going to be touched by this because of how many deaths we're having.
1: Yeah, it's uh, it's it's a tough situation. And, and like you like you say, we're all optimistic that we're coming to the end of this. But fingers crossed. Doc, thanks so much for your time this morning. I really appreciate it.
0: Thanks. Thanks for continuing to report on this, and definitely everybody out there, if you're not vaccinated,
1: please please go get vaccinated. That'll help. Huge. You bet. Okay. Thanks. thanks. Doctor Paul Parks, who is the head of emergency medicine for Alberta's. For the Alberta Medical Association. And I, you know, I think that would be a useful exercise because I'll admit to myself, you know, when, when Dr. U stands up and says, Hey, our ICU is at 87% capacity. I'm like, okay, all right. We, you know, that's not good. I understand that's not good. We, but you know, we're not completely maxed out, but the reality is it's 180% of our typical ICU capacity. So when you're talking about 87% of this surge capacity, that means pulling out all the stops, doing everything you can. And as he said, you know, bed, beds in the basement and baby monitors, keeping an eye on patients and things like that. It's not what we would typically equate with ICU care. Far, far from it. So we'll see. Will the Premier and the Health Minister take up the AMA on the invitation to tour ICU wards? I don't know. Taking a look at this next segment here. This is, this is really kind of interesting. And Alan in Norville makes a good point. Okay, you've got 77% dissatisfied. 40%, say, are screaming for a lockdown and are fundamentally opposed to conservative politics. Okay, so let's call it 40, sure. 37 want things wide open, and they're upset that we're not ignoring the pandemic. So let's talk about the 23% that appreciate a tightrope walker and praying that they make it. And I think Alan makes a good point. Jason Kenney, I mean, there's nowhere to go. There's no safe place for Jason Kenney. No matter what he does, he's going to have people angry at him. But regardless of that... When you're a political leader with a disapproval rating of 77%, that's crisis time. Let's get uh, some discussion on this with Tristan Hopper, who's a columnist and reporter with the National Post. Tristan, thanks for joining us. Appreciate it.
2: No, thank you. Anytime.
1: Yeah, when we're talking about 77% disapproval, you know, like 22, 23% of approval rating in the province of Alberta, you're talking about some historic lows, right? I mean, we don't see these kinds of numbers very often.
2: No, not in Alberta. And uh, usually, I mean, at any one time, there's usually one province in which someone is in the low 20s. But that's usually the premier that absolutely everyone hates and is on the end of their career. Um, So I'm thinking uh, Kathleen Wynne in Ontario. She was kind of at these rates at the end. And then the last Alberta example, so, you know, four years of, you know, for all the, you know, truck bumper stickers you saw against Rachel Notley. I mean, she never got, uh, you know, to the low 20s. Uh, the last time this ever happened in Alberta was Alison Redford. So right. that's 2014, and that was just before uh, she resigned. So, uh, y- you know, um, you know, it's a credit to Albertans that they make it difficult uh, <laughs> for for their politicians. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's, it's particularly difficult for Kenny. And, and as you pointed out. Uh, He's sort of in a unique situation. Uh, You know, just compare him to Doug Ford in Ontario. Doug Ford can just go hide in the lockdown uh, corner of the aisle. Like, oh, everything's locked down. If you go to a... If you, like, look, think of a grocery store, we'll arrest you. And that's fine. Um, Apparently, Ontarians are fine with that, but uh, yeah, whatever Kenny does, he, people are going to be pissed off at him. Now, yeah. you know, that's not to say there wasn't mistakes made.
1: Of course, of course, absolutely. But you're right. I mean, if you're a, if you're a politician, you're looking okay. Where can I try and drum up some support? What's the decision that's going to make people say, okay, he did a good job here? There's he can't point to any one thing because no matter what he does, you've got the people who will freak out if he does anything, and the other ones who are freaked out because he isn't doing anything. So, I mean, that's you know, when, like the listener says, he's trying to walk that tightrope, which is a f- a field
2: political yeah, strategy. It, it is very unique uh, in Canada. So, uh, I mean, during the federal election, uh, it even briefly became a national news story that there was this sort of opposition to Jason Kenney. And I think the uh, the supposition uh, across the, you know most of central Canada, so Quebecers and Ontarians are like, oh, they hate him because, you know, the hospital rights are going up and he didn't lock down enough. Yeah. It's like, well, that's true to an extent. But actually, a lot of this pushback, um, in, you know, particularly in the last weeks of the election, was from the other side. Uh, you know, we trusted you not to lock down, not to put in vaccine passports. You did that. You lied to us.
1: So the thinking, and I've, I've said this from the beginning, he's got to be thinking, OK, but the election's still a ways away. It's, we can turn this around. We still have time on our side. That that has to be the thinking, right? I mean, he's, he's been pushed into a corner, but he's got to be thinking, I've still got time. I've still got time to, to save this
2: uh yeah of all the of the politicians i have encountered as a national reporter for the national post usually when you meet them face to face it's actually you know surprising how not tremendously with it or smart they are um that has never been the case with jason do whatever you're thinking in your head he's like three steps ahead so um i mean it was always a joke that you know like trump was playing fourth dimensional chess and he he, you know he, he had a plan that you hadn't even seen that's actually usually true of jason kenney so i imagine I, I, maybe it's not going to work uh but i imagine he's got some sort of very elaborate plan um to stay in power that none of us have even considered um so you know that's not a tremendously good answer but uh <laughs> yeah
1: no i think you're right I, I think he believes there is a way out of this is bottom line
2: oh yeah 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 i think uh i think we're your average politician would be legitimately panicking uh, he's thinking like, well, yeah. He, he's thinking of all those sort of numbers and, and calculus uh, and other type things. Uh, you know, for all I know, he's you know, he's just Nixon in 1972 and just you know, panicking and you know, right. yeah. shuffling around. But uh, that's my assumption.
1: And the problem he faces, though, Tristan, is okay. He can, he maybe he can get the popular vote back on his side, or at least get himself out from underwater water here. Um, but the fact of the matter is. I don't think the approval rating within the UCP caucus is any better than it is among the Alberta voter. And that's where these people lose their jobs. It's got nothing to do with the electorate because we don't get a say until 2023, but that could change this spring. Once it goes to the UCP leadership review. Uh,
2: yeah. And again, uh, you know, very proud of Albertans uh, at this point that, uh, you know, I, I never liked the idea of a politician, you know, being comfortable in a yeah. position. Yeah. Whenever I saw Rachel Notley, she just was beleaguered, you know, just, Tired and, you know, <laughs> put, put, put upon by being Premier of Alberta. And that's what you want for your, you know, people in positions of power. You don't want it to be too comfortable or nice. Uh, so, yeah, it, it, that is true. Uh, he is going into a caucus room, and this is not uh, groupings of yes-men. This is, this is the party he founded. Uh, nobody thought it was possible. And after only three years, uh, you know, he could be fired from the party he founded. The other thing you
1: pointed out was, you know, typically uh, his, his posture from day one has been Big bad Ottawa is doing all these horrible things to Alberta and making mm-hmm. it so hard on Albertans. And then this week, yes. lo and behold, the liberals go and say we're going to stand up for an Alberta-based pipeline. That doesn't help. I mean, it helps, but it doesn't help his stance.
2: Uh, yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's always great when uh, yeah, yeah, Ottawa is treating you like garbage. Um, so mm, that's that's a shame. Yeah, it'd be better if Ottawa, <laughs> Ottawa was like, well, we're going to shut down this pipeline and all the pipelines. You're all going to work in you know solar panel plants in New Brunswick. Um, or something. So, uh, yeah, uh, the stars have aligned uh, in a variety of ways. Yeah. Um, because, because again, if you go back, you know, time travel to two years ago, uh, Kenny's thinking like, all oh, right, I, I know how to run Alberta, uh, but I don't know how to run a, a novel pandemic. Sure. Um, so I think he tried, he tried something unique, uh, which, um, you know, full credit, it was a bold choice uh, to sort of, you know, reopen early and drop extraordinary measures and, uh, you know, I, I there's there's certainly criticisms. I'm sure people are are yelling at the radios, but um, I think this has been a pandemic in which um, you've seen a lot of politicians, you know, very willing to you know compromise, you know, entire sections of their economy, you know, parts of yep. the service industries, just because they didn't want to face the face the risk that they could become a Jason Kenney. Um, so, uh, yeah, if. if if this does turn out poorly for him and he is not long, going to be the premier of uh, Alberta for much longer, um, yeah, at least he gambled on something that I, I do think tried to minimize harm on all sides and wasn't driven by political expediency.
1: We'll see. We'll see. It's, uh, it's not over yet, but it, it could be getting close. Tristan, thank you for your time today. I appreciate it. Thank you. That's Tristan Hopper, who is a national columnist and reporter with the National Post. Right now, HBO is working in our province. If you take a look at some of the pictures from downtown Edmonton right now, there are some crazy things going on. HBO is in town shooting a series called... The Last of Us, which apparently is based on a video game. I'm going to get little Sarah to explain that to us in a minute. First, though, we'll talk about what's going on and and how kind of cool it is. It's always exciting when Hollywood comes to town. We're going to talk with Tim Vanica, who is the CEO of the Edmonton Screen Industries Office. Tom, thank you for your time today. I appreciate you joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. This is a—it's an exciting time, I'm sure, for everybody involved in the industry in our part of the world. We don't see this happen too often, so um, we—HBO is in town shooting a series. Um, obviously, that bodes well for the industry, right? Yeah,
3: it does. Uh, like you say, it's pretty hard to get to not get excited about Hollywood being in town, and, and uh, it is great. Uh, obviously, they bring lots of their own resources with them, but sure. they do use our resources too. And so, yeah, it's awesome for our industry. It, it puts a spotlight on us, shows that we we can do this kind of stuff, and and it's yeah, it's exciting.
1: Do we have any idea why they chose here? I mean, when you take it, we've 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 had other big big productions come to this part of the world before. We all know that they're they're not all that regular, but we've definitely had them. What is it that brings these people to uh, Alberta to shoot these kinds of things?
3: Yeah, I mean, there's, there's lots of different reasons. Um, one of the big things right now is that our, our, our tax credit, uh, has changed and that's really improved our competitive, uh, or how competitive we are with other jurisdictions. And so that's a huge, uh, you know, part of it. But there's also some really great resources that we have. I mean, Alberta in general, um, when you think about the diversity of, you know, the, of, Sets, I guess, or locations that you could shoot. I mean, we can shoot, we could shoot Alaska type, you know, yeah. big mountains. We could shoot the moon in Jum Heller. We can shoot, uh, you know, beautiful well, landscapes. All really all along the mountains, beautiful prairies. Uh, Edmonton, is, as a you know, as a city too, is is very unique in its green space. You know, to, in downtown, fifteen minutes uh, from downtown, I can shoot the wilderness. You know, and uh, and, and and you would think that you're, I, I, I like. To go uh, cross-country skiing in um, you know in the in the river valley and and there's times when I forget that I'm in Edmonton and so there's just this, there's a real diversity of locations. It's beautiful place to film and it's uh, and it's we're I mean we are a friendly and nice great place to work you know and so that that makes a big difference.
1: And you know being in TV, I know there's a lot of guys that sort of dabble in film and stuff like that. We've got some talent here too that can do the jobs.
3: Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you said that. It's, uh, we we have uh, wonderful talent um, and uh, and creative, whether it's creative talent or, or crew or uh, you know acting. There's lots of there's all kinds of things that we bring to the table that uh, is uh, you know very attractive for productions like this.
1: So, I mean, having a production like this is exciting for us. It's very cool. But does it sort of does it help spread the message that hey, this is a pretty good location to shoot?
3: Yeah, that's I mean, that's a really important thing, too, is that, uh, you know, I I like to compare it to, you know, going on vacation. If you're going, you know, if you pick a spot on the globe and say, I'm going to go there, but I've never been there before. It's scary to do it for the first time. You don't know the risks. You don't know what's going to happen. You don't know where to go, where not to go, who to talk to, all those types of things. And film is not terribly different. And so when people come and start to build that familiarity, they come more and their friends come more. And other people look and say, hey, well, that seems like a good place to go, too. And so it, it, uh, it's, it is a really important thing. And when you're a, a business that, uh, this type of business that goes all over the world into different places, you go to where you're most familiar and where you feel uh, the least risk to what you're trying to accomplish. And, and uh, so when people come here, they come more. And that's, that's uh, exciting.
1: Yeah. And word gets out. You're breaking up a little bit there, Tom, but I appreciate you uh, spending the time with us this morning. And, uh Exciting times for all of us, I think. Good stuff. Uh, thank Thanks, Tom. That's Tom Vanika, who is the CEO of the Edmonton Screen Industries office. Now, you should go online and check out some of the pictures. Um, Chris Chacon for Global News did a story yesterday and went down. Uh, if you're familiar with Rice Howard Way in downtown Edmonton, basically it's shut right down and they have, like, you know, burned out cars and piles of debris and stuff. Hey, little Sarah... What, well, Last of Us is a video game, correct? Yeah, it was a video game. And what's it about? Like, what's the storyline here that they're recreating?
2: So basically, it's like a post-apocalyptic world. War- oh, did I say that right? I didn't no, say that No, apocalyptic. Right. Not, uh, lo- oh, my God. Apocalyptic
1: <laughs> There you world. go. Um, zombies?
2: Yeah, zombies laugh, break, nice. all that kind of stuff, and you're just like a group of survivors trying to make it through the plot that's set ahead of you.
1: Cool. And, and so now we're seeing the recreation of the film. Um, I... I don't know. We've had a couple of people text this morning saying it's a, it's a TV series that is um, based on the best video game ever, one of our listeners said. I don't know. I, I mean, I'd never heard of this video game before, but regardless, it's pretty exciting to have this happening right in our own backyard. And uh, I don't know how long they're going to be here and all the rest of that stuff, but uh, pretty cool. And like I say, go check out Global News' website and take a look at what they've done. And they're, they're, they're shooting in a bunch of different locations. You know, we got, a, we got a notice from the city of Edmonton saying these roads are going to be closed and these roads are going to be closed as we're doing this and we're doing that. So they're moving in in a big way. And uh, we'll get to see ourselves on the silver screen. Thanks for listening today. To hear any of our other interviews, you can find them wherever you find your favourite podcasts. And if you like what you hear, don't forget to rate and review us.